27th birthday of the Land Down Under and live from the studios of Voodoo Sound. Welcome to the Australia Day edition of the Mojo Radio Show. I tell you what, any boss is sacked anyone for not turning up today is a bum. <laughs> Pull up the esky, bung a prawn on the barbie and tie your kangaroo down as we pump up your mojo with a chat with a little known Aussie who's making big waves around the globe. But for now, please welcome, wrapped in the Eureka flag and humming the chorus to Happy Little Vegemites. Gary Birdwhistle. Hey everybody and welcome to the Australia Day version of the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have you with us. If you have been with us for our journey on the road with the Mojo Radio Show crew, welcome back. We uh, we love having you come visit every week here in the studio. If you're new to the show, let me give you a quick update on what the show is all about. We just find interesting guests and topics and bits and pieces and just basically stuff that we think is interesting, that will help you get your mojo working, whether you're working in a business, in your personal life, your health, your relationships, something with your kids, anything that we find that we think is interesting to get your mojo working, we grab it, throw it into the show, put it out each week, and there you have the Mojo Radio Show. The man who really drives it, he is the Peter Brock of the Mojo Radio Show recording panel, is Robbo at Voodoo Sound. Uh, welcome, buddy. Nice to have you uh, in the Stu Stu studio today. Happy Australia Day. Happy Australia Day. It's a good time of the year, isn't it? Mm, barbecue coming up for lunch. Prawns. Salmon. Yeah, and isn't it good? That mm. I just love the fact it goes from Christmas into New Year, but in the back of your mind, you still know Australia Day is yet to come. That's right. You just get that little sort of reset towards the end of January, <laughs> don't you? Just that little glimmer of hope. It's still summer. The sting's in the, in yeah. the sun. It's beach. It's barbecues, grass-fed beef, broth. Mm. You know, it's all the good stuff in life. Absolutely. Hey, um, great show today with a fantastic Australian. I'm mm. really... I just think today's show just summarises Australia Day so well. But um, what <laughs> we do, mate, I found a, a story. You know how you and I were talking in the studio about making sure that this year's a cracker and... Making it our most productive year yet. Remember that? Yep. Well, I found this article in Fast Company over the break, Hmm. and it was about tips to make your 2015 your most productive year yet. So I thought... Listen to the Mojo Radio Show. uh, That was tip number one. Of course. (laughs) Glad we paid that money. (laughs) And uh, I think enough said. If you do that, you will have your most productive year yet. (laughs) But it's interesting. I'm just going to run through some of these uh, mm. through some of these tips because I think there's um, there's power in this. And for the people who are listening to the show right now, um, the people who are regular listeners will already have their um, journals open and ready to rock. Mm. For those people who are new to the show, um, grab his paper because there's some good stuff to record here. Mm. Um, their first tip is to visualize and set up your day the night before. Now, this sounds obvious. It's not a new tip, 
Miss mm. goes, I've heard people write about this and talk about this from Dennis Waitley's and Stephen Covey's some two decades ago. Mm. However, it's the simple stuff that people don't do. And one thing that I have found works and I've incorporated this into something that you included into the golden year was the night before, write down the things that if you got these things done and only be three or four things, you got these three or four things done tomorrow, it would make it a cracking day. And work out what quick wins you can have before. Before 8.30. Exactly. So our friend Matt Church, who was on episode three from memory, Yep. talked about uh, his morning ritual and he yep. wants to get three quick wins in before 8.30. So yep. visualising and setting up the day the night before is a great productivity tool and we've already had people through the Mojo Radio Show talk about that. Mm. The second thing which I thought was terribly important which we tend to overlook is surround yourself with productive people. And without labouring and going too deeply into this, uh, I would write down a piece of paper who your absolute counsel is, who your go-to people, who share the same spirit, the same values, the same drive, the same dreams, the, the people who really get things done. Mm. And just make sure you keep those people around you for a coffee once a week or once a month or a phone call every couple of weeks. And just they're, they're, and, and my view of the council is people who are walking in the door when everybody else is walking out of the door. Mm. So if things are going good, they're genuinely pleased to hear it. Mm. But if things are going pear-shaped, they're there to help to say, how do we get this back on track? Yep. So that's the second tip. The third one they suggest is a standing desk. So stand whilst you work. Radio is going that way a lot these days. A lot of new radio stations, when they're building their on-air studios, are making the jocks stand. Yeah, I remember um, a number of jocks that we've worked with were, were standers. And uh, a lot of biohackers, the people who are looking at what we do with our biology and our psychology in order to get better performance in everything we do, will talk a lot about standing whilst you work. And if you go back even to the Roman philosophers, um, all the philosophers did all their thinking while they walked because simply by standing up, you increase the blood flow to your brain by 10%. And if you read Walter Isaacson's book on Steve Jobs and great leaders like the Bransons, a lot of them have their important meetings walking. So that was tip number three was stand whilst you work. You may not have a standing desk, but I would say that going for a walk when you're doing your creative thinking or having a meeting is a you know, get out of the boardroom and walk instead even to and from a coffee shop is, um, is a good thing. Nice. Mm. Very nice. And the last one, and I, I haven't done this myself, but I think it's a cracking idea, is focus on one word for the year. Now, the theme behind this is from a book by a guy called Jimmy Page. <laughs> not, not, not him. I don't think it's that Jimmy Page. Um, and the book was called One Word That Will Change Your Life. And yeah. his suggestion was you find a word to focus on. Now, whether it be simplicity, clarity, um, you know, performance, mm. health, I think it's quite a nice idea. And I'd go so far as to say that you write that places where it's going to be very obvious to you mm. um, and keep it front of mind because uh, for me last year when I think about it was about simplicity for me 
mm. was, uh, you know, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, is what Da Vinci said. And I really worked very hard focusing on that one word. So I think by default, I kind of am doing it. But I, I reckon it's a really, um, a really novel and interesting perspective to set up for a year, which I hadn't heard that talked about before. Yeah, it's clever, isn't it? I am. Um when I'm doing work for, for radio stations, um, imaging work, which, and for people who are listening who are not in the industry, imaging is, you know, all the little things that go between the records that tell us what radio mm. station we're listening to and all that sort of stuff. When I'm doing radio work, I actually keep a little file on my computer. And when I sit down to start work in the morning, I, I play this file. And, and what I've got in there is promos and, and things that other people have made that I've heard on the net or have been sent to me to listen to or whatever and, and have in, had something in them that I've liked. And it's only a two or three minute audio file but I actually listen through it and it and I find it gives me ideas. Like mm. I'm not stealing what they've done but just they might have a nice sound on a voice or they might have an interesting way they've approached something and I just use that. I, I find that come, coming back through the day I'll reflect on that and go, oh, if I took that idea but did this, that would work really well in there. So it doesn't even have to be something tangible, does it? It doesn't have to be a book or it doesn't. It can be anything that inspires you, can't? doesn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yours is a digital journal, so to speak. Mm. I mean, other people, Bart Pollack from George Patterson Y&R, who we spoke to last year, a fantastic episode which got so much traffic. Mm. Um, he talked about his resources for creativity and, yeah. uh, you know, books he'd read and magazines mm. and being a storyteller. So I think that's a, that's a really cool idea. Mm. I might post the whole list from Fast Company on the uh, show notes. People can yeah. go through, click on it and look at, there's about 14 of them and go through and look at them all. But they're the ones that I thought had the most traction. Okay. Sounds good to me. I'll be interested to see the list. And I'd be interested to know what is going to be the one word of the year for the Cherrybrook Under-11 rugby team at Pennant Hills Oval. The uh, the one word for the under-12s this year, believe oh, it or not. Of course. <laughs> the one word yeah. for the under-12s cool. this, year, this year is going to be team. We team. need to play for each other a bit more. We, um, How do you spell that? T-E-A-M. <laughs> but there is also an I in there as Gian Pereira. I pointed out last year in one of the episodes. Uh, episode nine from that memory. That sounds he about was, right. He was yep. very good. People liked uh, Gian a lot. Yeah. Um, that's good, mate. I think it's good. I think that will work for the boys. Yeah, we've been a bit uh, self-centred the last couple of years, so um, we're actually going to work on a bit of um, playing for each other this year. Nice. We will be following the journey very, very closely. Season must start pretty soon, right? Yeah, not too far away. Yeah, not too okay. far away at all. All right. So well, I, I um, might. Um, I've also just received an email this morning, and I can't tell you too much, but I might have some exciting news for uh, the Beecroft Rugby Club coming up in the ooh. next couple of weeks. Oh, by the end of the week, hopefully. Oh, okay. Stand so, by. So, yeah. big stand news, by. For big stand news. by. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of standing by, let's get into uh, our special guest this week. The Mojo Radio Show. So, Robert, given the fact we're recording this on a Friday afternoon, I reckon it might be time for a cold one, mate. I reckon it's definitely time for a cold one. It's been one of those weeks. <laughs> it's been one of those weeks. Um, <laughs> now, if I was to bring you a tequila laced mm. with coffee, oh, what would you say? You'd be my best mate. <laughs> <laughs> my two favourite things. Well, I know. <laughs> and can you imagine that someone has invented a drink which is now taking America by storm, literally, and is the sexiest beverages on the planet? Which well, you've got to live a good get, sexy but, beverage. I know. Mm. And uh, 
I've been watching this story unfold for the last um, number of months, mm. in the last year or so. And there's a bit of a history to it, Robbo, because our guest today is an old mate of mine. And back, it must have been 80s or early 90s. Here's another throwback for us. Um, I was at the launch of the Super League Rugby League competition in mm. Sydney when you and I were working at Triple M and mm. we were promoting it. Yep, I remember that. And all the management and all the league players that were there this night were drinking this blue Gatorade laced with vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and they attributed the drink and the invention. You were a yuppie, this... weren't you? Yeah, well, I, I was just watching. I was supervising. Of I was course. working. I was working. And the guy behind that mm. and the concoction was the CEO of Gatorade, which at that time we were working on it. Gatorade was huge across Australia and he was mm. driving the whole thing. Mm. And his professional story and his personal story to me mm. are absolutely astonishing and I mm. couldn't wait to get this guy on the Mojo Radio Show and thankfully we've got him today because he's now mm. based in New York mm. and his brand of products, which is SX Liquor, which is vodkas and tequilas and so on, mm. um, really are just going so well across America and as an Aussie mm. guy watching another Aussie guy do good over there, it's just mm. the best story. So mm. um, David Knight. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, buddy. Hey, mate, uh, Gary Robbo. It's a real pleasure to uh, to be here on the show. So, I've got I've got uh, environment envy because New York is kind of snowy and uh, freezing, and I'm sure you guys are in uh, a much yeah. warmer climate. It's your Aussie summer. It's your Aussie summer. <laughs> okay. Can I just say one thing though? Dave, before we get going, um, I'm not seeing any samples here, mate. What's going on? Yeah, well, we're we're just kind of we've tested the water in Australia, and yeah. uh, we're, our launch is underway, so we're excited. So oh, it's coming. There, there is a there is a smattering of SX in Australia, and uh, cool. I'll certainly be hitting a few bottles when I get home for Christmas. Nice. Well, I think Robbo, it's fair to say that we're ready. That the Mojo Radio Show here mm. in the studio, we're ready mm. to get sexy. No, we're ready to be a test case. I think <laughs> uh, we're, we're just picking on. We'll, we'll sample okay. it for you. Spread the good Perfect. word. Perfect. <laughs> You're right. Spread the, we'll spread the sex. We'll um, spread the sex. That's right. So, David, just um, from the time when I first met you at Gatorade, can you just give us a very, very quick snapshot of your professional journey from those times leading Gatorade in Australia to where you are now in New York with your own brand of booze? Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, Gary, I think if memory serves me right, it was like the mid-90s. So I guess yeah. it was like 90, uh, 94, 95, something like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'd worked at Frito-Lay for – about 11 years and had just come back from the U.S. and was running um, marketing for Australia and, and Asia. And uh, the Gatorade guys approached me to take on the role and I just thought it was, one, a cool brand and loving sport as I do. Um, I thought it was just a great opportunity. Um, and so ran the Australian business for a couple of years and then got uh, taken up to Hong Kong to run marketing for Gatorade for Asia Pacific and primarily launch Gatorade into China. Um, which was a three-year kind of project. Saw a lot of China, and um, it was it was a, it was a great but challenging uh, project. And then Pepsi bought Gatorade from Quaker Oats, and I found myself being moved to New York to run marketing for Gatorade International. 
Um, so I did that for about four years. Um, and then eBay hired me to run international marketing for eBay. So I moved the family to, to California and did that for two years. And then the CEO wanted me to uh, run communications for her directly for uh, eBay, PayPal, and Skype. And so I did that. And, and, and during that role, I was not doing classic marketing, and so I figured that it was probably about time that I got back there and, and started my own company um, and really brought that kind of entrepreneurial spirit to the surface. So it was kind of like a side project that we started in a bar, as you do on the back of a napkin. And then, you know, eight years later, voila, we've launched in four countries and we're in eight states in the US and, um, you know, we have a very exciting plan for next year. But it's a true story, Robbo. It, I mean, according according to what I've researched, um, it was a back of a napkin, David. It was. It was you and another guy sitting down and, and brainstorming, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's it actually, um, it's a great story. A guy called Alex Schultz, who um, I hired out of uh, eBay UK to come to uh, San Jose and be part of the marketing team. Brilliant brilliant guy I and mean, he, he was the same age as or a couple of years older than my my eldest kid so we adopted him as part of the family and uh, double double phd in laser physics from cambridge um and he was making more money on the internet than ebay could pay him um but he just wanted to work for a big company come to the u.s and things like that so the day uh, the, the the day of origin was the day that he got um hired by facebook and they they were just you know again this is eight years ago so it was really at the the start of facebook and they'd identified alex as just a a key guy to help them grow and scale and uh, he's still there um eight years later and running their growth team um, wow. and, but Alex and I were in a bar at the end of his farewell party and we just decided that we were so complementary in terms of his skills, which were very new age digital marketing and my, you know, more classic kind of older skills, which were classic brand advertising, product development, things like that. And it turned out that he has the third largest at the time uh, cocktail recipe site in the UK. And I had a passion for beverages, um, especially functional beverages like Gatorade and vodka, um, that uh, we decided we'd get into the spirits business. So when you had that idea and you had that on the back of a napkin, do you remember the first thing you did that, that started the ball rolling? Like once you stood up from that, that catch-up, you had the idea. Well, do you remember the first thing or first things you did to get started because a lot of people have that dream mate but they never start well I, I think I think that's I think that's right I think what what we did was we are going to meet on Sunday right um, Alex and I had used kind of Sundays for coffee and for catch up and for some work and and you know just um, more it was a kind of combination of work time and and personal time where we were able to reflect on what we were doing uh, from a business standpoint so it was it was in our pattern to meet on Sunday Sundays, but we just said, like, this Sunday we're going to launch this company, right? We're going to do it. Um, and so that's what we did. We basically met um, and then in true kind of left brain, right brain activity, uh, Alex said, look, I need about three hours on the web to pull all the data for the spirits industry. And I said, well, I'm going shopping. So I went to the local liquor store and I, I probably spent the biggest booze bill I'd ever spent and brought back... <laughs> Um, these bottles that are still sitting somewhere, you know, we certainly didn't drink them all, but they were um, 
things that caught my eye, like really interesting flavors or very interesting packaging or uh, different combinations, you know. So it was just a, a whole range of, you know, idea generating products from the industry. And then Alex basically had reams of paper uh, that he'd printed out from different data points. And so that's kind of where we were helped us kind of see where the opportunity was and where we should really should start. It's just a great story. Hmm. And mate, um, it's eight years later, you are now in all different sorts of parts of America, aren't you? You're, you're launching in New York at the moment, are you? Yeah, we launched in New York in January. So we're, we're coming up to our first anniversary uh, in New York. So we started in Florida. I mean, the interesting thing was um, what we decided was that the opportunity for uh, a new brand in spirits was going to be very female-focused. Uh, we were going to start in tequila because eight years ago it was really the the hyper growth of the super premium tequila category. We were going to play in that super premium space and we were going to build the brand on emotional benefits, not rational benefits. So they were kind of like the key drivers. Um, and so when we thought about females and tequila, you couldn't help but trip over the words sex. Um, so we put our whole platform around being sensual and exotic and we came up with the brand name SX and then from that we commissioned designers to design the bottle and then, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So again, it's it's kind of like a classic development process but doing it yeah. in a very entre- entrepreneurial way. What was the dream, mate? At the start when you sat down together, and you had the back of a napkin, knowing you, you would have had a clear picture in your mind of what you thought you could do. What was the end game that you saw in your mind that drove you? What was the dream? Well, I think the dream was to, I love the words, uh, never been done before. Um, so it was very much that NBDB, you know, kind of mantra that we want to do things that had never been done before. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately it was to build a billion dollar business. Cause again, that's kind of a, a, a nice number when you're building a, a brand or a company. Um, so that, that's still the dream today. And uh, we are a long, a long way from it, but we're heading in the right direction. Hey Gary, um, I don't know if you can see where you're from your sitting, but we're talking to Dave on Skype today. Um, and I've just noticed that under his name on Skype, we've got no fear, no anger, no regrets. And on your wrist, Dave, I can see a, um, a band that says, you tell us what it says. Uh, only possibilities. So uh, I guess they were pretty big mantras when the brand was getting going? Yeah, I mean, I've had, um, I've had both those mantras well, well before SX was even an idea. Um, the no fear, no anger, no regrets. I, I can't even remember where I got that from. I think it was a book or something. I just really loved it because I think it, it, it really, one, summed up kind of the way I approach business and life. And I think it's a good one for people to... To really use as a as a as a mantra, mm. um, it's pretty scary sometimes. You get yourself into some some scary situations, mm. but you know ultimately, you know if you want to do stuff, you want to change the world, you want to um, do things that haven't been done before. You really need to kind of go forward with no fear, and and you do get into situations where you get into challenges, and you just can't deal that with anger and. At the end of the day, there's no point looking back, you know, so uh, learn from it and, and no regrets. So I think it suits me personally pretty well. Um, and then the no possibilities, 
uh, that's a, just a John McLean um, wristband. And I say just, I mean, it's uh, the most amazing guy I ever have ever met and um, somebody who truly inspires me and changed my life in many ways. Um, so, uh, so that's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, Let's just let's go there, mate. Let's um, let's if if you'd like to, let's um, let's just segue into Johnny because I it, it, the story you've got your association to John because I first met John via you when we were doing a speaking job together. I think it was down a barrel or somewhere, and um, Johnny was speaking, and I was doing some sessions with you as well. That's where I first met the guy and started following the journey that you have had with Johnny. Can you take us through? your association and that wonderful story about being in the snow and the association to the English Channel? Sure. Um, so, John, I met at my first uh, Gatorade event. So, you know, I'd been at Frito-Lay for 11 years. I was probably 120 kilos, so I'd certainly eaten too many Doritos and Ruffles in the last 11 <laughs> years, and I wasn't fit. And, I think we've uh, all been there. I started... I started at this company that was all built on being healthy and active. And so I turned up to Noosa Heads, which is obviously, you know, God's country. It's perfect. And uh, and John was there at an athletic kind of function where they pulled together all the major sponsors. So there was Gatorade and Qantas and uh, Holden and Nike and Oakley. And they had brought all their athletes to this lunch um, as well as kind of the CEOs, you know, sports marketing people. So it was a great venue and, and there was this character there called John McLean who was all dressed in black. He was bald, r- totally ripped, you know, um, superhuman strength. And uh, we were at the celebration afterwards, which actually again had Gatorade and, and, and vodka involved. Um, and uh, we... <laughs> We, we were we were on the I can remember it so well like it was yesterday we were on the dance floor um, not dancing but it was just a it was, it was just a quiet a quieter place and with space because I guess nobody was dancing but um, we we just got locked into this conversation about life and challenges and you know I I had done something that I hadn't done before which was a little triathlon and. John had um, finished the Hawaiian Ironman, which is obviously the mecca of the triathlon world. And um, we just started sharing goals. And, and John said, like, you know, so you've done this race. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm not sure yet. And uh, I said, well, you've been a bit of a smart ass, right? I said back to him, like, you've just done the Hawaiian Ironman. What are you going to do? And he's like, well, I'm going to be the first wheelchair to athlete to swim the English Channel, which is the mecca of uh, endurance swimming. So, um you know, out of all the legs, I'm actually, you know, a stronger swimmer than a runner and a biker. So I said, hey, I'll, I'll help you do that. You know, I'd, I'd love to train with you. And um, I said, why don't you come to our office next week and we can kind of talk about it. And um, I wanted Gatorade to get involved with it as well. So so he came to the office and we, we swapped stories and what do you need? And, and John's very humble. And, and he said, look, what, I, what I'd like you guys to do is if Gatorade can help me just get the word out to uh, – kids in wheelchairs about what I'm doing because I think, you know, they need inspiration to get up and, and, and be active and in whatever way they can. And so I said, fine, we'll, we'll find a way to help you. And I said, John, on a personal front, you know, I'll, I'd love to swim with you. And, and he said, you can be a, a support swimmer for me if you want, you know, and come to England and, and swim the channel with me and just help me get across. So I said, fine. So uh, after a little while, we agreed that Gatorade would film a documentary of his uh, channel swim and, and that I would help him. And so, you know, that's how the 
how it all started and it was just an, uh, an amazing event and uh, there was many crazy sub stories beneath beneath all that dave tell us about the um you getting across so when johnny had a, a couple of well like obviously weather plays its part so there was a time when johnny finally got to swim um but you won but you made the effort to get there yeah sure so um john john's first attempt um after nine hours swimming i mean we could see france and just the 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 reason the english channel is so hard is that the water is so unpredictable and and so a storm came up and we're literally in 10 feet 10 foot of seas with three foot of uh, chop on the top and being blown back to england and so you know we, we we got pulled out of the water and and went back and uh, we all, I had a job to do plus a family holiday and, and we had the crew and everybody kind of split up and, and John said, like, I'm not leaving uh, England until I do this. So he stayed and got physio on his shoulders and, and tried to, you know, get him half back to to uh, to strength again. And, and um, I ended up coming back to Australia, you know, working for a week and then I had a, a holiday, a ski family holiday in Threadbow. So... I'm going up the chairlift literally like on a on a Saturday with the family and the phone rings and it's John and he goes, hey, buddy, good news, I'm swimming tomorrow, you know, type thing. And I'm like, well, that's great news, but I, I think I need to be there. So so uh, it was like, you know, skied down pretty fast and packed the car, drove back to Sydney, jumped on a plane um, to Thailand and, you know, or to London, but we stopped at Bangkok and I rang him from Bangkok and he's like, yeah, we're going at five o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, well, the plane arrives at six, so I don't know what we're going to do. So got off the plane, um, you know, drove, drove to Dover and it was a bank holiday and uh, all the boats were out. And finally I found two guys who were playing around with a, a kind of a, a boat, a little kind of outboard motorboat. Um, they were going to go fishing and I showed him a couple of hundred pound notes and said, "Hey, can you take me out there? I got to find my buddy. He's uh, he's he's in a wheelchair, but he's swimming the English Channel." And they looked at me like I had two heads. And finally, you know, I think the cash made it exciting for them. And they said, "You know, fine, we can buy a lot of fish with that." And we headed out. And the only rule was that they had two red tanks of you know petrol. And they said, "Well, as soon as the first one's empty, we have to come back because the second one will get us home." So the English Channel is, uh, it's the busiest waterway in the world and um, there's ferries and cruises and tankers, you know, going everywhere. And we had very limited communication because the cell phones were not working because we'd crossed from England to France and the radio they had wasn't working and... So it was a mess, and it was we ran out of we ran out of the first tank, and just as we did, you know, these guys are saying, you know, let's go back, and we had one ditch effort, and we we got in contact with the boat finally, and they said we're the only we, we're right next to the ferry, and there was at this moment in time there was only one ferry that we could see, and it wasn't too far away, so we you know we kind of gunned it for that, and there was John, there was the boat, and. By that time, I'd put my wetsuit on wow. because my bag was really just a, a wetsuit and goggles and, <laughs> and a pair of board shorts, I think. And uh, so I just uh, dived in next to him and he didn't know, you know, he had no clue that I was had made it. And, uh, you know, I dive in and look up and there he is. And it's like, hey, mate, let's let's keep going. We're nearly there. So so we I got into the water about halfway across and, you know, we swam, we swam to, to France. 
So I hold the record for uh, trains, planes, and automobiles from Threadbow <laughs> to uh, the middle of the English Channel. Temperatures would be pretty similar between Threadbow and the English Channel, I would imagine, too, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that place is cold. It's yeah. like 50, 54 degrees, Fahrenheit, I think, in Fahrenheit these days. So 54, which is probably about 12 degrees or something. Yeah, that's pretty cold. Yeah. So, Dave, since that time, you've started your own personal relationship with the English Channel, haven't you? Yes, it was that moment of uh, getting off the boat with John and uh, the boat captain, a guy called Reg Brickles, uh, looked at me and said, oh, you're a pretty good swimmer, you should do this one day. And uh, I just kind of threw it off and said, yeah, I, I'll, I'll do it when I'm 40. And of course, on my 39th birthday, John rings me and says, so have you booked the boat yet? I'm like, what? what you? I, I, knew, I knew what he was talking about. I'm like, no, what are you talking about? He goes, well, the English Channel, mate, you said you do it when you're 40. That's like next year. So you, it takes a year to get ready for it. So you better book the boat. I'm like, okay, great. So, so I booked it. And um, just, just in context, I mean, you know, uh, John and I have competed on stuff and we've done the same event at the same time. We've done similar events and uh, I've actually never been able to beat the guy in anything, right? So um, he's an amazing athlete. Um, so I figured I'd one-up him and the, uh, John was always planning to do the double crossing um, because up until even just like last year or the year before last, there's no Australian male had ever successfully crossed the English Channel in a double crossing. So secretly, I was like, okay, this is my chance to one up John McLean, and uh, I'll do I'll do the double and get the first Australian male, you know, David Knight, who's really not known for doing anything in the swimming world, you know, was going to be immortalised. So this is a dream big, never been done before thing. That keeps, you know, haunting me. And so John and I went over there and, again, the, it was one of the most horrendous um, seasons for swimming because there were so many uh, storms coming up across the Atlantic that there was hardly anybody getting across or having even a window to do it. And so uh, the English Channel, they dedicate uh, certain days in the middle of the certain tides so there's only about four or five days a month or every two weeks that you can actually attempt it so my window had actually closed by a day and and we were still waiting for clear weather and finally you know reg goes well if you want to have a shot at it you know it's tomorrow um and so we we jumped in the water at like six in the morning and um, 13 hours and five minutes later, I ended up in France. And of course, uh, John's time was like 12.55. So he beat me again by 10 minutes. And <laughs> so I figured I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> okay, so he won the first lap and, you know, I'll, I'll win the second. So I turned around and swam back to England. But the English Channel is 26 miles. And so if you do it in 13 hours, it's two miles an hour. And so after nine hours of swimming back, I got, I got caught in the currents of Calais. And so they wouldn't tell me how I was doing, but I could I knew I wasn't making the progress I needed to. Yeah. So they said, uh, after nine hours, I said, look, guys, you better tell me, like, how far have I gone? Because you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You don't really know where you are or how far you've gone. And they, they fessed up and said, you've only got nine miles. And I said, okay, well, that's pretty simple. I've got... 17 miles to go that's probably at this rate that's 17 more hours um it's time for breakfast so uh so i got pulled out of the water and we made it back to to dover for some 
for some hot breakfast, which I badly needed after being in the water for so long. It's an extraordinary story, Rob, isn't it? Yeah. Is it a lonely feeling out there in the middle of the channel, even though you've got support team and all that sort of stuff? Um, yeah, it, it is. And, uh, you know, there was one moment that I'll never forget, which was, you know, I was super cold. Um, it was the middle of the night. And, uh, you know, I drifted well away from the boat. So you try and keep to the boat within, you know, you know, five to 10 meters, mm. I guess, from the boat, but I was probably 60 meters away. So I was a long way away and uh, they were all panicking and, you know, they actually th- sent John into the water to go get me. And uh, I was so cold. I was like just dreaming about the Titanic scene where it was <laughs> probably easier just to float away, yeah, yeah. float down. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it's, uh, hats off to, you know, those guys that that do that. Mm. Um you know, it's 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 an amazing sport. It, it's 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 what I learned about most sport and and reflects to business too. Everything's eighty percent mental. Mm. You know, it's twenty. Mm. You know, it's twenty percent physical, and and at the end of the day, it's eighty percent mental. Mm. Um, so having a you know having a strong mind and a clear goal is um, is pretty important. Yeah, and a good team. David, what what would what gives you that? What gives you that strong mind? If there's one thing you would say to people, because we hear that, what would be one thing that somebody could write down they could physically put into place to help them towards that strong mind with what you've learned? Man, I, I really don't know how to answer that question. Um, it's a lot of hard work, you know. Um, you know, what do they say? It's 90% perspiration and 10% inspiration. Um, so... You know the problem that I have with today's society and the young generation—it's—it's it's, there's a lot of entitlement and there's a lot of people that think you don't have to work hard to be successful, and and there's nothing more that's further from the truth. So, I think it's understanding early in life that you have to work hard, and and if you're working hard, um, you have to push through, you know, personal and emotional pain, and to do that, you have to have a very steeled mind. Um, and, and be able to tough stuff yeah. out. Um, so I guess that's the way I would answer it. Mm. Um, I think it's a great answer, mate. I, um, I've been a big fan of both you and John, and I put you, I put you both together because you are, you've done so much together. What, looking at John as a mate, what, what's been the key learning you've taken away of being watching this guy running, swimming, riding, being with him, having beers with him? If you looked at Johnny McLean as an athlete and as a man, what, what's been the biggest takeaway for you? Um, it's in a very similar area. I, I've always said that I've never met a more positive person than John. Um, and, you know, he's gone through his own challenges, obviously. And um, just to be able to go through that and be so positive is, is one thing. And I think he also, on that note, and uh, I think I learned it from him too. It's just you just surround yourself with positive people. I have no time for negative people. Um, I just I just don't want to waste my time um, with people that aren't positive about life and the world and what they're doing. Um, so I think I think there's a positive aspect. Mm. Um, he is the most dedicated person to his goals that I've ever seen. So training, um, understanding what needs to get done. Um, he's just super dedicated to that. Uh, so whenever, whenever you're around him and he's getting ready for an event, then he will find the experts, mine all the information, and then he will just put in the hard yards to make sure that he's ready to, 
to do that. So there was was an amazing story I saw, gee, must have been the last number of months, um, and I saw you once again by his side. Now, for those who don't know John McLean, um, he's worth looking up online to get the full backstory, but John is one of our great endurance uh, wheelchair athletes um, and has done some extraordinary endurance events um, and set lots of records. But just recently, David, there was an absolutely astonishing piece of news that, um, that you you brought to me and I think you brought to a lot of people in the world about what John's latest accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a miracle in many ways and it's still unbelievable. Um, I had to be there to, to believe it. Um, John sent me in January... And he often does this. He sends me a video and says, hey, check this out. Um, and mostly it's you know his latest motivational speaking engagement. And it's always great to see you know how he motivates everybody. But this was a, a personal video. And it was actually him uh, walking again. And so in context, John got hit by a truck training for a triathlon 26 years ago, so 1988. And... Um, he has been in a wheelchair for 26 years and he has always dreamed of walking again. But he met a guy called Ken Ware, um, who's an Australian guy up in the Gold Coast, who's pioneering um, uh, tremor therapy. So John was thinking, like, I've got this shoulder that's been pretty well smashed up from, you know, pushing a wheelchair around and swimming the channel. And so I'll go up and get him to look at my mm. shoulder. Unknowingly, Ken basically said, hey, I think you can walk. And um, John's like, great. You know, I, I want to walk as well. And within days, he had John walking, you know, 50 meters. Wow. Um, and uh, this this video... Just I had tears down my eye, you know, down my mm-hmm. face. I'm like, I'm just seeing John walk, and uh, uh, it's it's truly unbelievable. And um, you know, 60 Minutes did a story on him in Australia, so you can mm-hmm. look that up if you just Google John McLean. 60 Minutes, you can see the the, the story. But in true John style, um, he's basically saying, okay, so I can walk now. Um, I'm going to go back and do the triathlon that I was training for when I got hit by the truck and this time this time I'm going to do it not in my wheelchair so uh, I, you know he invited me back to Australia to, to, to go and do this event with him and it was the Penrith triathlon you know just a couple of months ago and uh, just to be by his side um, was a real privilege and and there was three three hundred people that you know jumped in the water with him. The Penrith Triathlon guys know John obviously from all his yeah. years because he's a Penrith boy. Yeah. Um, and uh, they um, they dedicated a whole John McLean wave. So you know once everybody who was regular triathlon participants got underway, you know this special wave of John's got underway and. So I was in the water behind him, and gosh, that guy can swim, man. I'm trying to keep up with him. It's Kai Hurst and John McC- John McLean flying up the uh, flying up the Penrith Lake, and uh, so I, I decided I was going to hang back because my heart was going to come out my mouth. Those guys were flying, <laughs> and, uh, and so he was giving a good shake. And then um, we jumped on the bike, and uh, again, there was like twenty or thirty of us. You know, they let us they let us just ride as a pack. Um, it's normally a non-drafting event, but we just kind of rode with John and just save at the moment. But I mean, we did the, we were averaging probably, you know, 
20 k's an hour and, and john hadn't ridden a bike for 26 years wow wow and uh it was just incredible and and then we got off and um you know his his uh he'd only he'd, in his training he'd walked up to four kilometers so he, 10 k's was a big ask of him and it was super hot out of penrith um there was two laps of the uh the rowing facility uh at penrith lakes and um it was just incredible, just to you know, step by step, um, very painful, you know, a big challenge for John. He used walking poles and he had carbon fiber orthotics just to stabilize because he was very badly broken mm. in his legs through the accident. So you know, he's got got knee damage and, and ankle damage, and um, you know, one of his hips displaced. So just stuff to kind of keep him straight, basically. Um, but he he walked ten k's. That's unreal, Dave. Uh, let's uh, we'll, let, we'll wrap up. Let you get back to your your day's work in um, in New York. Um, tell us about the SX Cafe Double. Well, it's one of my favourites. Um, <laughs> so, Cafe Double. It, it's um, it's a it's an extension of our cha cha cha, which is a honey tequila. And what we've added to it is fresh expressed coffee. So it's one of the few cafe products that actually is made from from fresh coffee and it is infused with a whole bunch of other amazing latin flavors so we've put uh, vanilla star anise and cloves wow. in there so it's a real harmony of delicious taste uh, goes very well with your morning coffee or as your morning coffee. <laughs> as your morning coffee, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Robert, last week we talked about uh, Mexican food and Mexican beers. Mm. Dave's got this really interesting product. Tell us about the SX Cha 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 and what you do with the Corona, mate. How does that work? <laughs> do I want to know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, so that you're, you're pointing to the sexy Rona. So how do you make a, a Corona sexier? Well, you put... <laughs> Honey tequila in the top of it, so uh, oh. that perfect that perfect space that perfect space when you take that cap off of a Corona, there's a perfect space of about half a shot right in the neck, and you just pour our cha 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 in the top, and then there you go. It's the perfect sexy Rona. You are okay. the ultimate marketing guy. Uh, Glad you're good. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's interesting with this, Robbo? There's actually a learning for this, and, and I'll, I'll take you back because I remember getting a brief for a job. I did a, a speech for David. I remember sitting under the Gatorade offices down near the rocks in Sydney, mm. and I ordered my standard macchiato, and David had come from training, and the lady said, what can I get you? And he said, I'll have a triple espresso. So whilst we sat there <laughs> getting the brief, he necked that. And she came to collect him. He said, I'll have another one. <laughs> so you've got a guy who loves Bing. his coffee. Trace, trace it back to people's passions and bringing their passions to life where you can see how much he loves what he does. Yeah. And it presents itself in SX Cafe Double. And then you've got a guy who, if you trace it back to what he used to do with Gatorade, and mixing with vodka, he's always had a passion for mixing drinks. And I believe your daughter's involved with it now. Is that right, David, with this? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think as an entrepreneurial company, you always lean on your family and friends. And uh, Chloe, um, Chloe's my 20-year-old daughter, and she's amazing, and she's a, a great chef. 
and has um, just impeccable taste. So uh, it was around the around the kitchen table, at, you know, at our place um, where it was like we we're starting to create new products and we we're playing with, um, you know, coffee and tequila and honey and what else you could put into it. And, uh, you know, it was trial and error, but, you know, it was, it was certainly uh, her, her creation. And she also came up with a name because our range was named after Latin dances. So it was cha-cha-cha samba is our rum and calypso and so uh she she uh thought that passe doble was a great song a uh, great dance and that cafe oh, doble was right. uh, was close so mm. uh, it's our latin dance with a little bit of uh, nuance there so cafe doble yeah that's fantastic that's great but it is delicious it is delicious and it is available in sydney you have to go find it somewhere oh no doubt david um just in the time I've known you, I know you have a great passion for your family. You have a wonderful passion for life. I, I know very few executives who love and embrace life and that whole attitude had never been done before um, and having a crack. What, what advice would you give, if your experience of being a parent, um, what do you think you've learned about being a parent from your own adventures and how you approach life that you've passed on to your kids? And are there any tips you would give that, things you've learnt that would enable people to pass on this passion and to be able to have a synergy between all the things you've done? You know, I guess long, long short of it, I would say, you know, great partner, um, dedicate, you know, trying to get the balance and, and, you know, I think there's a good way of thinking about that where you think about your personal time, your career time, your family time and community time and, you know, if you if you draw a pie chart and you kind of put in four quadrants, you know, trying to get the balance between those four constituents uh, is is pretty tricky, and it, it does change over time. You know, as you mature and your life stage changes, and for example, you can give more to community than you would earlier in the stage, and there's parts in your life when your career has to take a big part of that pie. Um, because if you want to be successful, back to early, you know, kind of discussion topics, it takes a lot of hard work. Um, but it's a nice way to think about it. Um, but fam, you know, I'm so proud of, you know, my kids and, and uh, get very, uh, you know, get very uh, uh, proud proud and, and jealous of time that I can spend with them because, you know, we're empty nesters and we've got kids in Europe right now and in Colorado and in New York. So it's, it's, it's fun. And thank goodness for Facebook and Instagram that you can keep connected with your kids. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now that you have your own business, your own brand, your own environment, how are you, how are you approaching SX liquors differently in terms of the culture you're creating, mate? Yeah, it's it's an entrepreneurial company. We don't have a lot of employees, um, but I did write down kind of at the form, formative part of the the company a charter, which you know uh, was built on a set of values um, that you know probably is a whole other topic. But um, I, th- I think uh, what I learned at eBay actually is that um, you know companies are built on the values of the founder. And then as long and those values resonate with customers if if your business is going to be successful and then you've got to really establish and keep those values vibrant and alive through your business and your proposition. And then over time, you know, 
two things can happen. Either the founder leaves and the new team lose sight of the values and the company yeah. falls down. Or, um, you know, they keep it true and centered to the values or consumers just change and those values are no longer relevant. But, you know, ultimately, you know, we're, we're building a young company. Um, we believe in what we're doing. You know, we've got, a, I think, a good balance between our corporate objectives and what we want to do and philanthropic objectives. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a great question, and I think it, it's really important in today's world uh, that you find, you know, the right balance that attracts the right people and that you, you stay true to, to who you are and, and, uh, and what you're trying to do. And it all comes from the top. I think that's gold, mate. And I, uh, I think it's a great way to uh, to to finish this little program because um, the good thing is that everywhere I've known you to be, whether it be eBay or Gatorade, um, and now with with what you're doing and hearing you talk, um, you're definitely somebody who leads from the front, leads by example. And I remember being in the offices of Gatorade and the culture you created was just lovely with the people you had around you and stuff. Mate, congratulations on what you're doing, mate. It's just great to see an Aussie guy doing so well over there. And we know we have a big fan base. This show actually has a good fan base in America, so I'm sure they're either either familiar with the product or will be hunting it out if they want to get sexy this weekend. Mm. Sure. I'm not familiar with it, but I have all intentions of becoming familiar. <laughs> yes, well, there, there may be opportunities in the new year when I'm in, when I'm in Sydney to catch up. But, uh, yeah, sxlinkers.com. Just go check it out. You'll find out all about us. And it's um, it's definitely a website worth checking out because we have done that and there's some mm. great backstory that <laughs> reiterates all the stuff that David's talked about and there's some fantastic uh, television interviews that he's had across America on the major networks on the product and what he's doing and how he's done it. It's just, I think it's great. It's brilliant. Nice work. Awesome, guys. Thank you for your time, buddy. Really appreciate you taking up the time of your very busy schedule over there in uh, NY. Um, good hearing you, mate, and thanks so much for uh, for taking time out to chat. No worries. Enjoyed it, guys. Uh, have a great uh, Friday afternoon, and um, we'll be seeing you in Sydney. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. See you, Dave. Bye, mate. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Isn't, isn't he a great guy? He's amazing, isn't he? Uh, all these people, you know, and, and I always use the word amazing, but they all are. They are all amazing and inspirational in their own way. And, you know, it's funny. I've known Dave for a long time. We've had lots of coffees together and Gatorades, but <laughs> he is. I know people would sit there and go, wow, it's extraordinary. But he is just a normal guy. I mm. He sits. I, I remember going to a conference with him, and we. I'd spoken during the afternoon. I couldn't fly out till next day, so I had dinner with him and his team. Mm. And I turned up outside of the balcony for drinks, and he's sitting there playing a harmonica by himself, right? Badly, <laughs> yeah, but still. And I it. said, "Do you play a harmonica?" He went, "No." And I said, well, "What are you doing?" He said, "I'm just having a crack at it." And that's his approach yeah. to life. And yeah. I think, did, did you take? What, what did you take out of that? Look, the inspirational thing for me in there, the thing that made me stop and think was the swimming of the English Channel and not the actual physical fact of doing it, but having that idea that, you know, by the time I'm 40, I want to swing the, swim the English Channel. And all it took was a phone call from someone and a bit of an elbow in the guts to say, you know, you said you were going to do this, get off your ass and do it. And away you went. We all make those sort of promises to ourselves, don't we? Oh, next year I'll lose some weight or next year I'll go to the gym or next year I'll 
do this next year, I'll do that. And we never do. Yeah, I think it highlights you've got to, um, regardless of who you are and what you're doing, you mm. need to have your right counsel. You know, mm. you need to have the right people around you. And mm. to have Johnny McLean as, as your corner mm. man or one of your corner men, I think. Now, even having said that, when Johnny made the phone call, you've still got to pull back the covers, get out of bed and go to training every morning. So there's still the discipline. of. But it's also, I think, having that mental picture of what it's going to look like when you've started doing it or when you've completed it. Um, And it was interesting, his suggestion as the first step for entrepreneurs, Hmm. or in fact, anybody doing anything, I said, what was the first step? He said, we met on Sunday and we said to ourselves, this Hmm. Sunday, we're going to launch this company. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And that's what he's like. He just has a passion for life. He doesn't tolerate negative people. He's positive. And it wasn't, oh, we'll get together again on Sunday and we'll talk about it. No, no. Had a napkin. The next step was we launched this Sunday and it started. I just, and it was launched with all the things we talk about. Had a dream, Mm. right people around him, Mm. threw back the covers and and took the first step, was positive. You know, just 80% mental. I think there was some wonderful takeouts of that. Mm. And Aussie to boot. Aussie to boot. Complete the set. And now selling tequila. Yes, sir. That's right. <laughs> and hopefully coming with samples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You weren't, you weren't very upfront with your plug, but hey, buddy, hit me up. Come on, mate. I can't talk about a product without a sample. Come on, Come on you've, been, you've, you've worked in the media. You know how it works. That's what it sounded like to the old radio station times. So, oh, mate, we're going to have to sample it. Mate, give us a six-pack for the jocks. They'll want, right. to, uh, they'll want to try this. Oh, yeah, we're out here on the streets with icy cold cans of Coke. <laughs> and some tequila. Bring your children down. That's right. Bring the kiddies down. Everyone's a winner. Uh, triple thunders. That's what he should do. Get, some, get himself thunders. some black thunders and some chicks in bikinis to drive them. And, and away the you go. The Rock Patrol. The Rock Patrol. Good. What were the ones in Brisbane? The Blue Thunders. The Blue Bombers. Blue Bombers. That was it. (laughs) Ah, Good times. Good times. Um, (laughs) Robbo, before we finish, um, you and I were talking before we push record um, for this show. We'd like to pay tribute to a good mate of ours who um, sadly had a horse fall Mm. uh, just this week in Lithgow and he lost his life and uh, he was a good mate. If they were talking about having a good laugh and a good chuckle, um, Wazza was was, was that guy, wasn't he? Yeah, Warwick Rankin, an absolute legend. I know know there are some industry friends of mine who listen to the show Um, and for those of you who aren't in the industry, you may not know the name... Warwick Rankin, but I'm sure Warwick the Barking Traffic Girl or was it the Rock Dog would, uh, would, ring a na- would ring a bell or two if you've been... Uh, up the stick, mamos. Up the stick, mamos. Up the stick. <laughs> but um, for those people who are our international uh, listeners here in the Mojo Radio Show... Um, we worked with Wazza the Rock Dog at Triple M the health, in the halcyon days of Triple M when it was a powerhouse radio station in Sydney. Had almost a third of Sydney listening every morning to breakfast and Wazza was a producer and a contributor to the breakfast show for Doug Mulray and it was a very, very big show. He was well known but he was such a character because I remember I used to live across the road with a guy called Rusty Graham was one of the copywriters and we'd, we'd go into the studio at Triple M in Bondi Junction nice and early in the morning and was to be walking out of the studio at 7 or 7.30 with, <laughs> with a cuppa. And I go, jeez, was it? Where early? What, what time did you get here? He went, I haven't left. 
<laughs> he played hard and he lived hard, didn't he? I um I remember working late in the studios in the production studios one night. It's literally it was like two or three o'clock in the morning, and and I look up and in walks Wazza with two cups of coffee, one for me and one for him, and he just sat on the couch for the rest of the morning yeah. and kept me company while I worked. Yeah, you know. Amazing. And that's what he did, you know, the wee hours of the morning in that graveyard shift for the jocks was it. I mean, I think he basically lived in the studio mm. and there was no one. I remember walking the studio one night and Slash was in there. He was doing, he was promoting Slash's Snake Pit. There was just me, Rusty, our producer Slash mm. and, and Slash and his um, lead singer in the studio um, doing mm. a, a live to air acoustic recording. Mm. And Wazza could sit down next to Slash and just rabbit on about anything and drink Jack from the bottle. Um, <laughs> or if a, if a CEO of Coca-Cola came in, he was quite happy to sit with that person and talk yeah. as well. He was just a, an extraordinary yeah. talent, played hard, lived hard. And uh, we've, you've got a little tribute to, uh, to play to, for Wazza, mate. Yeah. Well, you and I, a few years ago, recorded some stuff for your business. Mm. And um, we got Wazza to, to record a few bits and pieces. So... I just pulled this one out, which I thought was nice. And probably since we're talking about a tribute, this is a, actually a little bit of a tribute sort of quote, isn't it really? Well, it is. It's a great way to finish the show as a tribute to Wazza, a tribute to the greats of, you know, great creatives who've gone before us. It's a piece many people will be familiar with. It was originally done by Richard Dreyfuss, um, but Wazza voiced it for a thing that you and I were doing and... Um, Mm. Uh, on that note, rest in peace, Wazza, and uh, the Mojo Radio Show, out. Here's to you, Wazza. Miss you, mate. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently and they have no respect for status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, Glorify or vilify them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as crazy ones, we see genius. The people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.